earliest musical memories, I remember, you know, my grandmother would watch Lawrence Welk show and uh, there was a show, a country show called Hee Haw. And in between, between Hee Haw, uh, Lawrence Welk and going to church, I just began to hear this music that started to move me. And uh, I, I remember sitting in, in, in church and I was like, wow, this music is so, it's haunting, but it's powerful and it's beautiful. So something about it, I'm afraid, but I think I want to be a part of it even deeper. And so from then I, I just started saying, I'm going to be famous singing. I'm going to be famous singing. And I, I remember just saying that all the time. And I saw, I heard Michael Jackson's Ben for the very first time. And it was such a sweetest song. And so I fell in love with that. And I would listen to it over and over again. And then I had Natalie Cole, um, Our Love. I, I could have sworn we were we were going together. She was my girlfriend. And so, uh, you know, it, it just put me in that, in that world of music. Uh, and I listened, I didn't even, I don't even think people were listening to music the way I listened to music. I felt like I had a different set of ears. And, and, so, and so when did you first, you know, realize like, how great at singing you were. When, when was the first time someone was like, oh, you know what, you're very good at singing. You should probably look into, into doing this professionally. It wasn't until uh, I started with these little groups. I was in music class and I always, you know, I, I would get asked to lead a lot. But it wasn't until I got a music class and, and there was a girlfriend really really complimented me and I was like okay maybe I do have something maybe maybe this is something special um, and I just started paying more attention and then I started meeting other guys who had nice voices and we formed these little groups and we were saying Stevie Wonder's I just called to say how much I love you I just called to say how much I care I do so we would harmonize that I just call, I just call, I just call. And we would do that, man, and everybody would surround us. And we were like, man, we're going to do it. But two of the other guys became pastors and, you know, they, they, they let go of the, <laughs> they let go of the group. Yeah. yeah, they let it go. But they're proud of me. I've seen them since. <laughs> and so, so what, you know, so were you guys going to, going to be aiming to break through as a group? You know, initially, like, were you pretty ambitious? Like, were you all like very serious about it? So, was it a major thing when they left? Yeah, when they left, you know, I thought maybe, hey, maybe they're just taking a moment, and maybe they'll change around, they get a little older, and realize, like, man, this is could be a great thing. But they never turned back from the church. Um, and me being a church, church, uh, church guy, church boy, that was very important for me not to sing music that would be degrading to, to God and to my belief and to my family. So I, I kept the dream alive and continued and found more guys to harmonize with and uh, more songs. And I just started trying to put myself in places where people had influence. So who, somebody would tell somebody else about my voice and then this person will lead me to another person. And ultimately that's what happened. And and so like at a certain point you moved to New York right and and uh, 
and and you made this and you made if I if I'm if I'm right, you, you made this album and uh you know XT. Let's see a lawn. <laughs> Sorry about that. Someone's coming in the house. No worries. If it don't go off, then call the cops. <laughs> I think it's uh yeah, my brother's probably coming home. But so you said uh, go back so you moved so you moved to New York and and and, and, and so you, and you signed to, to Uptown Records, right? And and mm -hmm. made, made a debut album, but then it did it nearly not come out or something like that. That must have been quite frustrating. No, I was, you know, beating the streets. I moved from Charlotte, North Carolina up to New York to, to go for this big dream because I had exhausted all the possibilities here. Um, I met a guy named Mark Sparks who took me up to uh, meet with Jimmy Jenkins, Andre Harrell at Uptown. We did a showcase at a historical hip hop studio called D&D. &D. Um, I sang my tail off. I got the, the deal. Uh, Andre Harrell outbidded everybody. It was Russell Simmons, Puff, a lot of people were there. And uh, I got this deal. I was opening up for Jodeci, doing the album. It's about to go. It was D'Angelo was coming out and we were gonna be like rivals. And uh, I remember them saying that Uptown MCA is folding. So the album, the Ecstasy album, we don't know what's going to happen to it. He's going to try to get you to go with him to Sony or wherever else he's going. But MCA wouldn't let me go. So I was left there to go straight directly to MCA. And the thing about when you, when you, when you inherit it, people don't tend to, some people, whether it be ego or whatever, that's preoccupied with whatever they're preoccupied with. They didn't see that it was special enough to, 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 to them because they had the other projects. They didn't have all the writing credit, production credits. So nobody really took it in and, and, you know, made it, made it special. So eventually I wanted to get it off. And, and so after making that first record, um, you know, it was quite it was quite a while before you followed it up, right? Yeah, I I um I was bouncing around a few different record deals from MCA. I went back to Andre Harrell, who had Harrell Entertainment. He was doing a deal with uh, Tommy Mottola at the time, and I remember going to the studio to speak to him, and he came by the studio with Mariah Carey. I remember this, and uh, after a few months of that, back and forth trying to get this deal. Um, I guess him and Tommy Mottola didn't see eye to eye. And I was then, you know, sitting there waiting for the right deal. So this is my second failed deal, almost third. But Mark Sparks came back around. He had been working. He had gotten a relationship with Atlantic Records. They had Sunshine Anderson, and she was bubbling, had the number one song in the country. Um, so... He he brought me out some kind of way. They brought me out from Andre Harrell, took me to Soul Life Atlantic. I started working on a new album, which was Soul Life. Soul Life and Southern Comfort. Those songs I was creating then. Um, and then while she was working, I, I was like, hey, I got a call from D'Angelo. to say, can you go on, on tour to sing backgrounds with me? And at this moment, I was like, okay, I can continue to do this album or I can go on the road with this amazing guy who has this extremely high voltage buzz going on right now. And he had Questlove, he had 
Roy Hargrove and all these amazing musicians that were surrounded around him. And everyone was looking at him. I felt like I needed to be in that light. I felt like I needed to learn what it was that he was doing it, the type of musicianship, the type of showmanship that he had. I wanted to have that. I didn't just want to be a studio singer. I wanted to be a performer, like a Al Green, Marvin Gaye, Aretha Franklin, Joe Cocker, and all these amazing people who had this open soul when it came to singing and performing. So my label, I asked them, could I go? And they let me go on tour with D'Angelo for almost a year and came back in Soul Life, eventually Soul Life in Atlantic, didn't see eye to eye. So that was another deal. <laughs> so. But that, but, uh, but coming from where I'm from, you know, it was a, when, when it did come out, it's, you know, it's a, um, a really brilliant record. And, uh, Thank you. And, and I mean, you know, you've got, it's, it's difficult to, to keep consistency, but I, you know, I would say throughout every release, I mean, I guess you've had, you've, you've spaced out your albums quite, quite well. And you've, you've obviously put some, some time and, and heart and soul in, into making them. But was, yeah. it quite, was it quite a relief when, when coming from where I'm from, you know, kind of. Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. It was a great relief, man. I felt like right before it, I felt like, man, this is it. This is the last, this is my last shot. This doesn't work. Then I'm going back to the barbershop. I'm going to cut hair and continue listening to music and singing to the radio. But, but I, I loved it too much. So um, I sang at a Grammy brunch. Londell McMillan was there. And this was when uh, Michael Malden, who's Jermaine Dupri's father, he was in the audience. Isaac Hayes introduced me on stage, Anthony Hamilton. And I go on stage and I sing, actually it was coming from where I'm from. And I sung this song like it was the last breath I had. Like I put everything on it. And nobody could believe that that was my voice at that young age. And so he called Jermaine Dupree right away. They got me off of uh, Atlantic, took me to uh, So So Deaf. Ariston and uh, I've been singing and touring ever since. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah must must have been must have been such such a relief. And and from from the uh, from the records that, that you've made, is there is there is there a favorite that, that you've got? I think coming from where I'm from is one of my favorites because it symbolizes so much for me. Uh, the struggle, the hard work, the tears, the loss. Um, those moments riding the train and, and sleeping in the studio on the floor and getting locked out and us breaking back in to sleep on the floor because this is all we had. Uh, it symbolizes all that that I went through and how victorious I became through it all. So that song, that that, that whole album is pretty special. Um, how many people were were there to uh, to kind of, I don't know, just kind of, invest in it in a way. Jimmy Iovine bought four songs and never charged me a, a dime. He was interested in me prior to signing to uh, So So Deaf. Um, but yeah, Lucille, China Black, uh, My First Love, and um, Better Days. He had me in the studio, I created those songs. He's like, you know what? Just keep those as gifts. This is this is my gift to you, wow. and uh, yeah. And so all those different people, Mark Batson, 
all these amazing people who put energy in, you know, around this album and my hard working. And I think it was the right time for people to have an album like that. I think people were a little tired of just the monotony and and heartless music. Um, this music came through with, with spirit and soul, pain and grit and happiness. It was a well-rounded album. So it left no stone unturned when it came to emotions. Yeah, no, it definitely didn't. And, uh, and, and so like re recently you just brought out a new single mm -hmm. uh, with Rick James. How did that come about? <laughs> that, like, that, <laughs> when I first heard that, I was like, wait a minute. What? Is that is that Rick James is in Super Freak and all those classics? I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's the same Rick James. It's Rick like, James. Yeah. I'm Rick James. So, <laughs> so, so cool. in the studio, we're in the studio with Knife Wonder, who's an amazing visionary and producer. Um and we had done songs. We had been in there quite a long time. And we had gotten three songs. I remember it was Rhapsody, me, Knife Wander, and Eddie Kane. We were all in there, Heather Victoria. And uh, we had done three songs, and it was time to go home. It was 2.30. We had had a little fun, and it's time to go home. So Knife Wander, being the guy that he is, he just can't stop. He starts to play this music that sounded like Fire and Desire by Rick James and, and Tina Marie. I was like, I put my backpack down. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm going. I went exactly, I didn't say anything to anybody. I went into the booth and I started to sing. Uh, it was hard from the start. And, uh, and I, I knew you never. And Rick James was feeling it. Leave them so much for giving you my heart. And I was like, you know what? I said, I want Rick James to be featured on this song, not just a sample, not just slightly paying my respects and, my, and, my, and homage to such a great pioneer. I want him to be featured. I want it to say featured. I want his likeness in the video, on the art, and his family, his daughter. Um, she, she, she made sure that we, we had access to do that with the estate and everybody involved. And... Uh, I was I was over the moon with it. So cool, yeah. That's, that's here. Re really awesome. Um, and Thank so, you. and so, um, something that brought that brought uh, your music back to my attention was was your appearance on Tiny Desk, uh, which uh, which went down. Yeah. Well. How how, yeah. how how was that experience? You know, Tiny Desk was very very new to me. It was uh, it was a, it was kind of strange in a way but kind of freeing, um, almost like being home, performing for your closest friends and relatives. So most entertainers, when it comes to smaller groups, you either love it or you don't. <laughs> you're either better on big stages or you're better in small stages. And some people can do both. Uh, I've learned to do both. But in the beginning, I was like, man, I don't know how. There's only, this just us. There's no real mic, really. Just the room, the sound, and the people staring at you in this office setting. And so there was there was no time for error. It's just you had to let it bleed out. And uh, we had fun. We made it fun. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to take it too serious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure just the first couple notes, see where my voice is, 
and then let it all just rip. And it was actually uh, well received. And I was, I was pretty happy with it as well. Yeah, I mean, rightly so. And did, did, did you feel like that that brought you brought you to a to you know brought you to some new fans and a, and a new audience because it's quite a, become quite a kind of institution really Tony desk hasn't it yes it has it's taken off quite quite uh tremendously and yes it opened me up to a whole new uh demographic um there were people in there that didn't look nothing like me but who could appreciate that good music and they told somebody else and they told this person and so um with, with Tiny Desk and and the Dave Chappelle show, it really opened my audience. It broadened it like worldwide, and uh, I'm I'm forever grateful. And I'll do another Tiny Desk again and again. <laughs> uh, I'm sure, I'm, yeah, I'm sure they'd, they'd have you back. And so one of I mean, obviously you, you've 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 got a number of uh, uh, you know Grammy nominations and stuff, and, mm-hmm. uh, like eighteen, eighteen. Yes, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't even know it was that many. I knew. I knew it was several. Wow, that's, yeah. that's, that's yeah. yeah, eighteen, and I won one. And that's and that was with Al Green, right? Yes, thank God it was with Al Green. I'd rather be with Al Green than by myself. I mean, that's pretty cool. Was like, yeah, was that? Is that one of the last? I think it is. Is that the last studio album Al Green's made? Yes, it is the last studio album Al Green made, and uh, it was produced by James Poison. Quest Love and all these amazing guys, um, Rich and, and and yeah, they they did a really great job. Had John Legend, Kareem Bailey Ray was on the album as well. Just they a great body on, of work. You featured on two tracks. Yeah, co-wrote two tracks and sang on uh, sang on them both. And, and what was so cool, right. man? We went back, huh? And you wrote them, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, co-wrote. What what was so cool about it, like I always wanted to get in the music business because of the old way they did songs. Like being in a studio together and singing along with the music. We had that experience. Al Green had his mic here and I'm over here on my mic and I'm like, I can't believe, I never asked for a picture or anything. I was like, I do not want to make him uncomfortable. This is bigger than a picture or, or, or autograph. And so, uh, I wish I had a got one, but I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. Um, well, now that you've won a Grammy together. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm gonna get that picture. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find him. I'm gonna go to Memphis and I'm gonna find you, Mr. Green. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was it. Was incredible, man. I, I was, uh, I was really, really shocked to hear the Grammy. That's so it's so cool as well that the, the way that you um, you know the way that you recorded it like that because that's becoming yeah. more and more unusual, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a dinosaur now. So you know when you can get in collaborate from from a pure music to music, musician to musician um, experience, I advise people to take it and do it. Um, you know, fly in. I know with COVID now, you know, things will be a little difficult, but it's so important to um to have that experience, man. It's a different energy you connect yeah. with when you when you sing it that way. Do you feel like so. something's lost a little bit with all the kind of remote sessions and things that are that are becoming so prevalent now in the music industry? Yeah, you can't really feel um 
the energy, like say if I created a song, there's an energy behind that that I had that you should be a part of immediately because that's when it's that's when it's magical. And when all that magical dust starts to float around in the room, you should be in it um, and vice versa. And so now things sound, you know, it sounds good, but it sounds sterile, almost yeah. kind of put together. So I, 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 I'd I, vote for doing it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, just all the evidence points that way to, towards the kind yeah. of records that, that were all made together in, in the room. And almost like the more gear that you've got as well. Yeah. Seems yeah. like like a lot of those a lot of those early records, whether it was like Wrecking Crew or Motown or Stax or yeah, yeah. whatever it was, you know, those guys had much fewer te- technical um, technological resources. Yeah. And they still made magic happen. So it was yeah. just it was all about pure talent and soul and just passion. I think passion, you know, you, you don't have that crutch when, you, when you're just fully floating on passion and your ability to just create, you know, you, you, have, to, you have to dig in and let it be what it's going to be. And uh, that's, that's what the magic was, the sweat and tears and the hours in the studio without that good air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> A little cigarette. I'm sure they had a little cigarette smoke back in the day. Oh, but yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. All that made it made it special. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it did. Um, mm-hmm. So, so uh, my final question for you is: you've you've got some some songs like you know "Best of Me" and "Charlene" and "Can't mm-hmm. Let Go" and stuff that you know are, are, are obvious are obvious ones. And so, do choose them if if they're like you know if if, if you've got to choose them. But um, are there are there a couple of songs that, that you'd highlight from 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 your career so far that you're partic- you're particularly proud of and and you know especially if they're like deeper cuts or things that people might not have heard before? Absolutely, um, life has a way. It's an amazing song, man. It's an upright bass. It's a, it's just a beautiful record, and it's take a look over your shoulders. Wise words get much older. Life has a way of humbling you down. Thought you already knew it. Took a turn, then you blew it. Life has a way of humbling you down. So I thought I already knew everything. So I thought there wasn't room to grow everything. Oh, life humbles you down. It's just a real spacious just upright bass and just sparse instruments. Man, it's one of my favorite songs. It's, It's a song to make you reflect and to realize like, you have to humble yourself before, before nature, before God, before anything that's that's been here before you, and and if you don't, life will do it for you, and uh, it's just a reminder to put keep it in your place. Wow! But it's a beautiful record. Yeah, that's beautiful. I've got to say, you know, I've I've had some. We've 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 interviewed some legendary uh, artists that yeah. uh, that I'm a you know I'm a huge fan of. 
But whenever anybody's tried singing in, in an interview one of their songs, they've never sung it like that. So. Oh wow! <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. That's that's that's, that's amazing. You, you've Thank got, you. a real, really got a real gift. Anthony, thank you so much for taking taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it, man. And uh, thank you. Take care. I hope you're able to get uh, you know back to performing and stuff as soon as coronavirus uh, you know pisses off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and everybody who will be a part of this. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. All take right. care. Ciao.